Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. But Nike has a slogan. Anybody know that slogan? What is it? Oh, you, you've heard it once or twice too, huh? They have a slogan, simply three letters, that says, just do it. And I want you to know, as we get ready to enter this end-time prophecy series, as we get ready after that, we're going to be at the movies. It's going to be so much fun. we got everything ready for that. Then we go right into Christmas at Crossroads, and this year's theme's Home for Christmas. You say, where'd that come from? Because Christmas is on a Sunday, and we're going to be home for Christmas. And we got so much stuff coming up, but in the middle... There's this concept of just do it. And I want to give you a little bit of a background that I thought was very, very, very intriguing. Because the just do it slogan actually came from a guy named Gary Gilmore. Uh, It actually wasn't Gary Gilmore that launched the Nike scene. It actually came from an agency that was helping with the marketing of Nike. And it was around 1987. And and Nike honestly was kind of getting it handed to him from this other competitive company that you no longer hear a whole lot about. But you guys that are older will remember this. It was a company called Reebok. Now, Reebok was was just taking over everything because they were were catering to this this athletic concept, and Nike was trying to figure out how they were going to fit in. So so Phil and these guys up in in Oregon were trying to figure out how is Nike going to hit. And this this one gentleman was trying to figure out, like, in 1960, he's like, you know, we need a a slogan. We need kind of a slogan. And his name was Widener. He was a part of a group called Widener and Kennedy who helped with the marketing of Nike. And, and he was coming in with his slogan, and he'd gotten it from the strangest of things. See, he was a Portland native, and there was another native of Portland named Gary Gilmore. Now, Gary Gilmore, you may not know a whole lot about, but you'll remember it after this because he's mentioned in a book that won a Nobel Prize that was called the Executioner's Swan Song. Because Gary Gilmore was one of the first people to ever be uh, shot as far as execution style in the United States, in the state of Utah, in many, many years. It was actually, and I'll, I'll give you the exact date, it was January the 17th of 1977, when Gary Gilmore was sat down, put in a chair, had a hood put on, had a plain t-shirt, and he was going to be executed because he had went on this rampage murder spree, murdering a hotel clerk, a gas attendant, and had been found guilty. And they approached him, and they said, sir, do you have any final words? And Gary Gilmore's last words were, let's do it. Well, being a Portland native, that news went all through Portland. And during that time, there was another gentleman named Widener who was a Portland native. And so when all of a sudden he was trying to to have this slogan for Nike, he remembered the story of Gary, Gary Gilmore's execution, and he came up with this slogan that he took that nobody liked. And he said, hey, just do it. You say, Mickey, what's that got to do with today? Well, by the end of this, it's going to have a whole lot to do with it. Because I want to petition to you today 
that one of the things that we are struggling with in the local church, in our Christian lives, is that we have a whole lot of head knowledge. We just don't have a whole lot of feet that are walking it. Have you ever heard the saying, you can talk the talk, but you better make sure you walk the walk? I feel like we have a lot of people, and when you say people, I'm just saying people in general, that they know the right thing to do. It's the sin of omission, right? To know the thing to do and not to do it is also a sin. And so I want to show you, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James. James chapter 1, verses 19 is where we're going to start. Now, to give you a preface of the book of James, James obviously is the brother of Jesus. He's also pastoring the church that's in Jerusalem. He is having these things that are going on, and he's, he's trying to get the Jerusalem church. You know, Christ has, has died. He's been crucified. He's rose on the third day. And now he's James, Jesus' brother, is leading this church in Jerusalem, and he has all these religious leaders and the Jews and the stuff that are going on. And he writes this, this epistle to this church to kind of get them to understand. And he just goes through some things, and, and I think it's going to fit with that theme of like, like sometimes we just, we just got to do it. So join with me, chapter 1, verse 19, and God's word says this. First he says, know this. So before we can do it, we got to know it. And listen what it says. My beloved brothers, let every person, if you have a paper Bible, you may want to learn underline the word every. He said, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So I just want to pause, and we're going to kind of dissect this as we go through. But the first thing I want you to know is that for most of us, one of the things that we strive for in our life is we want to become more right. We use the word righteous. Not right like I'm right, you're wrong. I'm talking about more right like I'm getting rid of the things that are wrong in my life, and I'm doing the things that are right, and I'm pursuing God's righteousness. Well, one of the things that James, the pastor, says to the Jerusalem church is that you have an issue. The issue is, is you're too quick to speak and you're too quick to get angry. And because of that, you're having a struggle. In other words, you're wanting to argue and fight more than just live. I, I say this a lot, and some of you guys have taken me up on this. I will encourage you when you're in a situation that seems really tough, if you're on the side of truth, just know that truth fights for itself. So like all the information I'm going to be giving you over the next few weeks, I'm not empowering you to go out and, and just hammer people and be like, well, my pastor said this and you got it. No, like an action-filled life, doing the right thing, living a godly life, speaks a whole lot louder than somebody on a bullhorn screaming at me how terrible I am. That's what he's referring to. He gives three things. He says, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And then listen to the next verse, verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive the meekness, the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So he says, you know what, if, if this is true, if you're going to know this, then because you know it, you need to apply it. You need to apply it by two things. Number one, 
Put away the filthiness. Put away these things that you're struggling with. And then he says receive. And he says meekness, but you could actually translate that Greek word with the word of humbleness or submission. And what he's saying is be in a place in your life that you will hear God's word and you will submit to it. Now, I have learned through amazing people in my life, and me and Amy have laughed about this, the word submission in 2022 has become a, like a bad word. Like you can go to, to some people and say, you know, talk about submission. I have a lot of weddings and things that I've been doing, and I've been doing premarital counseling, and, and I try to be real careful because it's not a submission like, like lording over, but like at the end of the day, the structure that God's given the family It's not hard. And I always say this. I don't know of any woman that has a struggle with submission, but most of the struggle they have is they've never found anything worth submitting to. I know a lot of you right now are going, I ain't submitting to nothing. I'm a woman, hear me roar. Listen, roar, roar, girl, roar. I ain't ain't battling that. All right? (laughs) You know? Quick to hear, slow to speak. You know, I hear you loud and clear. But biblically speaking, listen to me very carefully. All of us, male and female, were created to submit to an authority. And because of the way we've made submission become this negative thing, because we don't have something that's really worth submitting to, then when we start talking about God and submitting to his will in our life, we're saying, hang on a second. How is this really going to work out? Well, I will tell you that what he says is if you will submit with meekness, the implanted word, his word, and then listen to what he says. He says, which has the power to save your soul. See, I think most people, they, they struggle because we are in the business of trying to fix and save things. Like, I don't know if I've ever known of a group of humans that are living in a, in a time period. I, I love history, and I especially love biblical history, and I look at the different things, and, and don't think that we're some great, like, oh, we're so much better than the ones in the past. Like, yes, it's great that we've invented these things called, you know, cell phones, and wow, look at what they do. But I don't know if that's more impressive to the way they've stacked these pyramids long before they had cranes. Like like the Neanderthal man was a very, 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 very intelligent man. Like what you see on the movies, like, oh, me, man. That's not what it was. All right? Growing up in the 70s, Captain Caveman was not a real good cartoon to describe where we are now. All you younger ones, you can Google that later. It was a really good Captain Caveman. And he had a club, and, it, and like that's what we think, right? But that's really not what it is. And what God is trying to say is from the beginning of time is if you'll know these things, then you'll be able to act and do the things I need you to do. In fact, he goes on to the next part. Listen to this. I love this, what James says. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only. And then underline these words if you have a paper Bible. Deceiving yourselves. Deceiving yourselves. In other words, it is possible for you to know all the right answers and live totally wrong. 
It's possible for you to have everything that you need and yet totally miss it. You say, well, how, how do you do that? Because you, you hear, but you never do. Like, like you know what you need to do, but you never apply it. Let me give you a great example of that. Scripture tells us that even the demons believe and tremble. You say, well, I believe in God. Well, congratulations, you are even with the demons. Look at your spouse and say, you're, you're, you're like a demon. Go ahead. I'm giving you the right here. Now, some of you said that more than once. <laughs> but the difference between a demon and you is what? Is that we do something with it. It's more than just a belief. It's doing it. It's moving forward. It's applying it. He gives this amazing analogy. I love this analogy. Listen to it. It's verse 23 through 25. He says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who intently at his, looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is, was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, talking about Jesus, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer or forgets about a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. So I tried to think of a way to try to make this make a little bit more sense because I'm a little simple-minded mind. And, you know, my, my life, as far as like looking in a mirror, has changed the older I got. Well, I used to be that I would wake up as a little kid and, and, and the mirror time would basically be the equivalent of if I remember to brush my teeth. Now, I say if I remembered, I mean, because I was a kid. Like, don't look at me like I'm bad. Use the same way. Didn't nobody wake up as a kid and be like, ooh, I need to go brush my teeth. Usually mom was like, you need to brush your teeth. You're like, yeah, I do. And you'd go in there and you'd do. But as I got older, I started doing, growing this thing called, called facial hair. Now, you say, oh, do you grow a beard? You know, like, like one of the breezes over here. They just, like, they always got, like, these, they're like men, men. Like, they got these full face of beard. I could have that. If I start right now, there's no doubt in my mind that by December of 2028, <laughs> I may be called, but I still have to shave just about every day. In fact, I'm hitting this amazing thing that, that I go get my hair cut. You won't be impressed. I, I don't only really have hair on my face. I got hair coming out my ears now. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I, I'm losing hair on my head. But I got hair on my face and ears. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. But because of this, all of a sudden, I started looking in the mirror and doing something. I started taking my shaving cream, and I take my razor. And all of a sudden, I know more things about my face than, than you will ever know. Because I know I got little things that if I'm not careful, I will, I, I will, I will be bleeding for several, several hours. It, it's because I'm doing something. I'm not just looking and passing through. I'm not just, oh, yeah, and I'm actually spending time, and I'm doing something with it. I believe that's most of our issues. Like, like can I put it into a spiritual concept? I believe there's a lot of people that may read God's Word every once in a while, but they're like the little kid brushing their teeth. They open it up, they read the Word, okay, and they get done, and they, and they, they leave, and they go on about their day. 
They don't ever like get into God's word and, and start actually studying it and doing something with it. Whether that be journaling or writing or highlighting or, or figuring out how that applies or, or, or dissecting certain words and, and going into a different concept and saying, okay, ooh, that, that takes on a whole different meaning. Like, like okay, how do I do that? And don't mishear me. If, if you're one of those people that you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably more like a, a kid with a toothbrush rather than, a, than a, a mature man shaving when it comes to God's word. I don't spend that much time. That's called normal. Because most of the time it can be intimidating, it can be a struggle. But listen, but the sooner you get to it, the better you're going to be at it. I believe that's exactly what he's talking about. We look into this, this law of liberty, God's word, his son Jesus Christ. And it has a way of, listen to me, if we will spend some time and become doers of the word, not just hearers, then all of a sudden we have this freedom like most of the time when people accept Christ, they come from a point of all these things I'm not going to do. And what God's whole story is not about, it's like here's all the things you're going to be able to do. Like, like I'm going to make your path straight. You're going to be able to seek me and have expectations on your life. You're going to be able to have dreams and accomplish these dreams because of the will of God. Like there's so many things that God says we can do, but it's amazing how we only focus on the things that, well, I shouldn't probably be doing this. And most of the things that we say we shouldn't do, the reality is, is whether God's word says it or not, we probably shouldn't be doing it because they're not beneficial. Paul says it this way. It's not about what's right or wrong. It's about what's profitable to a man. Like most of the things that God's word speaks against is not because he's trying to make you to be something you're not. He's just like, look, dude, you can waste your time with this if you want to. I'm just telling you it's not going to bring anything to your life. It's not profitable. It's not going to add anything. And then we do some of these things and it adds regret and struggles. It's like the worship song that we sang just a minute ago, right? It's not hello joy, hello peace, goodbye fear, goodbye guilt. We walk around with guilt and fear and struggles because we are doing what we want to do despite what we're hearing and reading in God's word. In fact, he, he, he then applies it to their public concepts. The last two verses we're going to hit today, starting in verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, the person's religion is worthless. Can I read this one more time? And I want you to think, now listen, I know I, I'm 48 years old, but I love a lot of the new things we have. So I'm not, I'm not left hooked from China hitting you. I just want to read this again, and I want you to think about social media posts. Okay? You ready? Let me read it one more time. If anyone thinks he is religious... And does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, the person's religion is worthless. See, God in his scripture says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And just like out of the heart, the mouth speaks, he gives you the reverse concept. It's kind of like an algebra formula. All right. If A plus B equals C, then B plus A also equals C. 
He's like, you know what? If out of the heart the mouth speaks, then be careful what you speak about because you'll deceive your heart. I think a lot of people, we become less in tune with God's word and more in tune about things that we've read and things that we're speaking about that we unintentionally find ourselves in a situation speaking about something so much that we perceive it to be truth and never have compared it to God's word and seen if it's actually the truth. You say, what are you talking about? There's a lot of things I'm talking about that are social hot buttons, but I ain't going there. Because God's word is very clear. Like all the things that you're hearing about and reading about and doing things, like God's word is not confusion, and it, it speaks very clearly to every single thing that we're dealing with in our world. In fact, I'm going to show you that so much over the next three weeks that you're probably going to leave here going, holy moly, I need to read God's word more, in which my response would be, always. Like, it's so important, I, I, I'm going to chase a real quick rabbit. I made a commitment a long time ago that my daily devotion would never be my sermon prep. In other words, when I come up here and I'm preaching a sermon, this has nothing to do with my daily devotion time or the time I spend in God's Word. I've been in the book of Ruth. Come Monday, I'm moving to the book of Leviticus. You say, oh, we're going to hear about that? Nope. Because that's my personal Bible study. That's my time where I know that God's Word is where life exudes and is, exists, and I want to know it, and I want to learn it, and I want to be a part of it, and I want to demonstrate it in my life. So I don't take what I do as work, and say, oh, yeah, well, I study God's Word. I made a message this week because that ain't right. So I'm just talking about myself. Now, where are you at? Community groups are great, but that's not your only studying of God's Word. Like, like I want to encourage you. I want to pull on you a little bit today to be doers of the Word. And guess where the first starting point is? It first starts with actually getting in it. Like you can't be a doer of the word and just be, oh, I'd be a doer of the word if I knew what it was. Like you got to know it. You got to apply it. Well, what if I don't like it? Welcome to humanism. But the question is, what's going to be the priority in your life? Can I chase one more quick rabbit? I will give you a little bit of a challenge. I want to encourage you between now and, and just the end of October. It, it's about five, six weeks. We'll go through this series. We have some different things. We have a baby dedication. And then we're going to launch at the movies. If just over those next few weeks, even just do four weeks, if one month, I promise you, if you have things in your life that you've been trying to get answers to, but yet you're not spending time in God's word, I can tell you why you don't have any answers. And I give you a challenge. If you take one month, I, I want to just come to me in a month and tell me if you're still struggling with the same questions. Because what you're going to struggle with at that point is not that you don't know the answer anymore. Now you're just going to, am I going to actually do what it says? Like that's where I want us all to get to. I no longer struggle with what God's word says. Now I just struggle with, am I going to do it or not? Like, that's a real healthy place to be. My kids in parenting, one of the major milestones as a parent is when you're like, all right, bro, you know what to do. You're just not choosing to do it. 
compared to how do you parent? Well, I didn't know. Like, I can't do nothing about that. I had little precious Ellie the other day. And she said a word, and I went, Ellie. And I was like, do you know that's a bad word? You know what her response was? It was so good. She said, I do now. <laughs> I mean, it was just one of those things that, because my reaction, I was like, Ellie, do you know that's a bad word? She goes, I do now. And, and I wasn't going to do nothing. We've got to get into God's word and learn and apply it. Just like when we're talking about with this, we have to understand what's going on. So he said, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And then he gives us a verse that's, that's an amazing verse. Religion. And he's using the word religion because you've got to know where he's, he's in Jerusalem. He's located in Jerusalem. And so he's talking to all these religious leaders, and he says this. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, a lot of times we think that this whole aspect of orphan and widows is like, oh, okay, yeah, I get this. Orphan and widows, we, you know, Isaiah 117, you know, different things like that. The actual concept of orphan and widows and what he's trying to explain to people is he's talking about true religion is when you do what God's called you to do, understanding that you ain't going to get nothing in return. Like when you go and minister to the orphan or the widow, the widow and her affliction, that's a total give ministry. When you go and you minister to the orphans, that, that's a total give ministry. He was trying to let these religious people in this town of Jerusalem to understand you're leveraging people's need for the Lord and his word, and you're leveraging it for your own good. You're doing it in such a way that you're, you're like under the umbrella of Jesus, you're like, and, I, and I'm going to get this, and I'm going to get this, and I'm going to get this. And because of that, they were no different than everybody else in the world. People are constantly constantly leveraging their different things and gifts and things that they do to get a benefit for their own life. And so they become stained like the world. And he was saying, listen, I, I want you to not leverage your calling to get something. I want you to leverage your calling because of something that he's going to get. You say, Mickey, uh, okay, but it's, it's Baptism Sunday. Like last Baptism Sunday, you, you gave us a message talking about how, how it's an aspect of identifying. It's, it doesn't save you. It, it's not anything, like, it's just, it's identifying. It, it's the reason why Jesus went to John the baptizer. He was identifying with him saying, I agree with this message. Like, I put my stamp of approval on this message. Like, what does this have to do with baptism? Can I put it very simple? For a lot of you, you just need to do it. Like, I cannot tell you how many times I watch people that know what they're called to do in their spirit, there's like this, ooh, 
and they just try to oppress it and they try to avoid it and they try to get past it. And you know what that makes you? That makes you a hearer of the word and you're only deceiving yourself. God's calling you to be a doer. He's like, you know what? Go do it. You say, well, well, Mickey, I, I grew up in church, and, man, you got to be careful. You know, baptism, I mean, that's, that's a really big deal. I mean, like, like I, listen to me. I don't want to dumb down baptism, but I also don't want to make it this holy, like, like here, baptism is simply a representation of what's already happened on the inside. Like some of you say, well, well, there was a time in my life I was a little kid, and, and I was baptized, and, you know, once saved, always saved. I, I know I don't ever have to be baptized ever again. But you know as much as I know that it was long after that you ever received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. In fact, every time we have a baptism service, man, you are white-knuckling the seat. you just like, man, I just, if I just got through this. Zach, okay, somebody's playing the piano. I'm real close. I just, I, okay, I just, I got to quit listening. That he's, he's, he's doing it again. He's doing it in spirit speaking to me, but I don't know what people are going to think. Let me tell you what people are going to think. Can I tell you what people are going to think? Great job. Well done. I mean, was Jesus more of a Messiah after he got baptized? Was it one of those things that's like Jesus like, oh, well, you know, I'm not really Jesus because I need to be baptized. <laughs> but now that I've been baptized, now I'm Jesus. No. He was doing it out of what? Obedience. And it said the clouds broke and the Spirit descended like a dove. And listen to what God the Father said about his son. He said, this is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. Like it's amazing how we take something so simple and so precious and we just make it something it's not. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give. Once again, thanks for listening.